wonderful passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read these first three verses together. I'll read them out loud. If you'll follow along, that would be great. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, if you were with us a a year ago when we started the book of Hebrews, I suggested at that time that Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 was really the thematic idea of the book of Hebrews. And I will tell you that today, now having preached through it for a year, I'm even more convinced Because when you look at the biggest themes in the book of Hebrews, the the supremacy of Jesus, the importance of endurance and pressing on and not shrinking back, and this idea of the promise of reward is all encapsulated here. So if you want a summary of the book of Hebrews, you really have got it here. And the picture now that he paints coming out of chapter 11 with all these great men and women of faith who have been pleasing to God because of their faith journey he he paints this picture of a sports arena therefore since we have so great a cloud of witness witnesses surrounding us it's the picture of an arena of course the, you would think the olympic games and these who have already competed are there and, and a part of of what's going on and they are their stories in essence cheer us on giving us confidence that the race can be run the race can be won these are ones who have already competed in the, in the arena. They have already run their race. And so their stories, in fact, he starts with therefore. And for those of you that maybe are new to Bible study, whenever you see the word therefore, or if you've got the old King James, a wherefore, you've got to see what it's there for. And of course, he's referencing all these stories of both triumph and tragedy in chapter 11 but they're stories of faith and his point here is is that these stories of these old testament saints who lived by faith who were pleasing to god their stories witness to us that we can do this that we we can be pleasing we can walk with faith we don't have to to give up now i will tell you that this this passage is used sometimes to suggest so it's the idea of arena here so therefore we have so great a cloud of witnesses the idea that they're sitting in the the stand so those that have died gone on to heaven they're sitting on the stands and they're watching us um obviously i around a lot of times people who go through loss and so in services y'all hear I, I know they're looking down right so like those who have gone on are, are, are looking down on us and it brings them comfort I never correct or whatever but folk you all have to understand that this is not 
what this verse is saying. In fact, the focus of this verse is not that we're witnessing to them, it's that their stories are witnesses to us. And then think about it for a moment. They're looking down on us. Isn't that a little creepy? I mean, and if they're looking down, do they look down all the time? And is heaven so boring that they kind of, I mean, who do I, look at our culture. I mean, it's like a, a bad Jerry Springer episode, and it's not even edited. It's not over an hour. It just goes on, right? And, and this idea that people are sitting in heaven just kind of, and it's like, you know, if that makes you feel better, great, but that's not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is that these saints who have already competed, their testimonies are there for us to encourage us to go on, to not give up, to don't drift, don't turn back, don't fall away, keep pressing on. Because we, we know about Daniel, man. God closed the mouths of the lion. And we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God stopped the fire. And we know about Moses. And God split the sea. And yeah, and we also know about Jeremiah, who ended up imprisoned. And we know about Isaiah, who was cut in two. But you know, all of them we're great men and women of faith. That's the point. They are witnesses to us. Don't quit. Don't stop. Persevere. And, and then the author expands it even more with this picture of the fact that you and I are running a race. So therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The picture here, the illustration, the metaphor, if you would, is that the Christian life is a race. Now, this is not new to the book of Hebrews. In fact, Paul is one who uses this picture a couple times. In fact, it's one of the reasons why uh, some people, because if you were with us, we don't know exactly who was the author of the book, suggests that, that Paul was the author because this is one of the pictures he likes to use. You go uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about how everybody runs but only one wins. So when you're running the Christian life, run to win, right? Run for the reward. He puts it like this in Philippians 2, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run or toil in vain. So he's looking at the Christian life as this, this race that is to be run. And his point here is that it's not a sprint. It, it's not just a little short 440. It is a marathon. It demands endurance. Run with endurance. The Christian life, this race that we have been put in begins that moment of salvation. We become followers of Jesus. God is at work in our life calling us to follow him. And it does not end till we see him. And whether that's the day that he returns or that's the day that we go home and we're not looking down, 
That's the Christian life. And it demands endurance. It's tough. It's hard. In fact, the word race there is the, comes from a Greek word that we get the word agony from, which I completely get. I, uh, through my life, you know, best bang for your buck exercise-wise is to run, right? And uh, so much of my life I have run. Now, I'm not talking marathons. I'm talking, you know, best 5Ks, right? Just trying to stay somewhat healthy. And I, I can tell you from personal experience, through all the years, through all the miles, I have never, ever, ever even gotten a whiff of that mythical thing that they talk about of the runner's high. <laughs> Nowhere close. I mean, literally, every step, that I've ever taken and all the miles I've run has been, why am I out here doing this? This hurts. It's going to hurt later. Why am I here? And that's the idea. It's, 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 it's a struggle. It's a struggle. In fact, in, in some places, that this word is sometimes translated a fight, right? We're, we're wrestling. We're in the midst of this, and this is, this is hard. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, have you ever noticed that like when you go and, and you're running or you're riding your bike, you always seem to be going into the wind? I mean, it, it, those moments of getting the wind at your back just are few and far between because it's hard. And that's his point. It's difficult. We're in this race. It's a marathon. It lasts until we see Jesus. And so we have got to, to be focused on the fact that this takes endurance. It's going to take some of those moments where we're threatened with the fire and threatened with the lions and the Red Sea is in front of us. It's hard. And then he says this, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now that's kind of interesting. Because you think about it, the Christian life, becoming a follower of Jesus, fully devoted, you know, that race is the same for everybody. We, we would describe it like this. Engage with God, because that's where we get to know Him. Connecting with others, because that's both where we learn and we get to serve. And number three, we live on mission. So, so that's the same for all of us. That's becoming a disciple of Christ. But the race course... The path that's laid out is actually different for every single one of us. Did you notice in Hebrews 11, all those stories of faith, none of them had the same story. Enoch's story is different than Abraham's. And Abraham's story is different than Noah's. And Noah's story is different than Daniel. Right? So all of us have a different course to run. Now it's the same race. It's, it's to become like Jesus. It's to become a fully devoted follower of his. But the journey's different. And none of us, as we talked about last week, know, okay, is, is this going to be the triumph piece? Or is this going to be the tragedy piece? I woke up yesterday to a text from a, 
a guy that uh, I, I, it's a good friend of mine. He, he and I worked together within our association of churches. Uh, he helped me doing a lot of the church health, was a pastor, just a great guy. A few years older than I am, moved to Texas uh, to, to be closer to family. But woke up from a t- to a text from him yesterday saying, uh, I've been diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. It's tough. That's hard. But the heart of his text was, man, I want you to pray for us. You know, first of all, obviously, we know God can heal, right? But that we'll be faithful. This is the journey. It's not the journey we would have picked, but it's the journey. And, and, and we, we want to be those people of faith, right? Because the truth of the matter is, today the baton has been passed to us, right? So when you think about it, we have all these stories of the Old Testament, but today it's our story. So really when you, you look at it, those Old Testament people, they were us in their generation, and today we are them in our generation. We're, we're the people that hold the baton. We are the people who are, are the people of faith. We're the people who carry the light of the good news that God loves people. This is our moment. And, and all of us are in this race who know Jesus, and, and, but yet all of our journeys are different. And his call here is, is that's why you've got to run well. This is our moment. Yes, there may be a time that we and our story now is speaking and encouraging and moving people on who come after us. But this is our moment in the arena. So don't drift. Don't fall back. Don't turn away. Don't get distracted. This is our moment. Our moment. He gives four, four keys here to running well, to running with endurance. The first one there is in verse 1. Therefore, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Or maybe your translation uses the word weight. Now, as I mentioned, I, I've run some in my life wouldn't necessarily consider myself a, a runner but I've, I've, I've done that and one of the things that you know if you run is that you probably want to run as light as possible right uh, organizations companies have made billions upon trillions upon zillions of dollars of making tennis shoes lighter because it makes running easier I mean you watch the Olympics nobody shows up in snow boots and a parka Right In the day in which this was written, um, when they ran, often they ran naked or near naked. Just as you want, to, you want to be as lightweight as possible. And his point here is to lay aside every weight. When you think of a weight, you're, you're not dealing with sin here. He's going to deal with that in a moment. What he's dealing with are the things that would pull us down, those things that would hold us back, those things that aren't necessarily sin, 
but they're things that distract us, that, that take our eyes off the prize. And, and the thing about a weight of what might be a weight for me may not be a weight for you. And what might be a weight for you is not a, a weight for me. Now, contextually, to who he's writing to, what would the weight be? Laying aside every weight. Well, I think that probably what he has in mind here is the weight for them is Judaism. Remember, they come out of Judaism. They've accepted Christ. Now there's this, they're, they're back, they're sniffing around it, and, and it's, it's taking their eyes off the superiority of Christ. Now, is Judaism a sin? Of course not. But it's a distraction. It's a weight. You, you think about the things in our life that can become a weight to us. So may, maybe it's a friendship that just, it, it holds us back from fully following Jesus or an association or something. I mean, as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times over the years that something good, you know, somebody gets a cabin in the mountain. Man, a cabin in the mountain is great, especially if you share it with your pastor, right? It's awesome. But that thing becomes the weight, that thing becomes the focus. That becomes the distraction of following Jesus. It, it might be a car. It might be a boat. It might be... I kind of wonder if the writer of Hebrews was writing today, lay aside every social media. Kind of a weight, right? Is this thing a sin? No. But does it distract us? Does it keep us from fully engaging and following Jesus? Lay aside every weight. Second thing he says, and the sin. Now that's, that's an interesting phrase. It's not lay aside every weight and sin, right? We would get that. Vanilla, right? Don't, don't live in sin. We would all get that. We would all understand it. But it's not just simply sin. It's the sin. The sin which so easily entangles us. The sin which, which is the thing that kind of wraps us up. Now again, in the context of Hebrews, the sin is what? It's pulling back from Jesus. It's, it's going back under the law at the exclusion of following Jesus and his grace. It's that drift. That is the sin. Now, for most of us, maybe it's not, that's not our sin, but I would venture to say that most of us have that thing that we would know is kind of the, the sin for us that, that gets our eyes off of Christ. For some, maybe it's the idea of, of forgiveness, that lack of forgiveness. They've been hurt. There's, a, there's those scars, and they're just not going to forgive, and that is the sin that entangles them. For others, it might be lust, porn. For others, it might be jealousy, envy. For others, it might be drunkenness. And his point is, listen, we got to run with endurance. How do you do it? Well, first of all, you lay aside every weight and then every sin. But did you notice that maybe even with the Hebrews, there's a kind of a tie there between the weight, Judaism, and the sin of turning away from Jesus and back into 
the legalism of the law? Again, you think about the weight. The same sin? No. But man, if I struggle with jealousy and envy of others, does it tie into that? Or if I struggle with porn and lust, does it tie into that? We have so much that distracts us today. So much that wants to pull our eyes off of Christ. You know, we, we get so caught up in the things that are going on. I, I, I think back to these last three years and how many Christians have gotten distracted by, you know, all of the, you know, the conspiracies and everything that's going on and, it, you know, being, being pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine and all of this. And, and it's like, it, it's, it's not necessarily a right or wrong a sin, but it's that weight. But it then leads to the sin that they, they, they no longer are displaying Jesus in their life and his point is we got to run well how do you do that well you start with laying aside every weight which by the way might even make it easier to, to then lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us the third thing he says run with endurance with patience this idea uh, one of the commentators put it this way that steadfast commitment that we're following jesus no matter what i couldn't help but think of that song that many of us sang as kids right i have decided to follow jesus no turning back right i'm gonna follow him and in my doubts i'm gonna lean into him and in the difficult stuff i'm gonna turn to him but i'm gonna follow jesus that's how i'm living my life i'm living for that day that i'm gonna see him and it may not all be easy it may be difficult there may be some things i don't understand but boy in those difficult moments i am following jesus jesus put it like this in luke chapter 9 no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking losing your salvation. Don't miss his point. He's talking about discipleship. His point is, once you put your hand to the plow, man, you've got to look ahead. And what do you have to look at? Well, that's point number four. It's verses two and three. It's Jesus fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author. He, he's the one who is the originator of faith, the perfecter. He is the one who lived it in total perfection, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, think about him, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. The key to running the race, laying aside the weight, weighing aside the sin, being committed in our heart, we're going to endure. But more than anything, it's fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, here's the problem. We get running, we get looking down, we get looking at this and that, we turn to the left or the right, and his point is, no, just keep looking at Jesus. In fact, we talked about, we got all these wonderful stories in the Old Testament, right? They motivate us, they're good. But to be honest with you, the greatest story is Jesus. Because he came, and even though he had to face the cross, even though that was such a thing on him that he sweat great drops of blood, he did it for the joy that was set before him. 
You and I know him today. We have a future today because Jesus, Jesus didn't turn to the left or to the right. Jesus didn't shrink back from doing the Father's will. Jesus walked in perfect obedience to the faith in his Father that his Father's will was right. And today he sits and he waits. But we get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. Sometimes from the past and when we've blown it and when we've made mistakes. I think of what Paul said in Philippians. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's so easy. We get our eyes on, on each other. We get our eyes on stuff that's happened in the past. We get our eyes on, on failures. We get our eyes on the frustration of what's going on in this world. Folk, this world is not our home. In fact, this world doesn't frustrate us. There's probably something wrong with us because this isn't home. So eyes on the prize, Jesus, standing before him, hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We're called to run well. We have the baton. This is our moment. This is our time now, both to live by faith, but also to share the testimony of living by faith for those generations that are still to come. He calls us to lay aside every weight to lay aside every sin but specifically the sin that we struggle with to run with endurance by fixing our eyes on Jesus mm -hmm.